appreciate everybody in our church. I, I just love it that we have a church that is full of people who serve and want to want to do something for the Lord. And uh, you notice every once in a while that somebody's missing. Ben is missing this morning. He is serving in Hamlin at, at Hamlin Community Baptist Church. They don't have a worship leader. And uh, they usually have a guy that kind of fills in once in a while when he feels okay. And uh, so every once in a while I'll throw it to Ben. Ben, you want to you wanna serve somewhere today? Sure, why not? Always ready and joyful to do it. And so uh, he took David with him. David's going to do the old box drum this morning. And uh, so anyway, we're excited that uh, God works in incredible ways to um, give us opportunities to serve, right? And uh, take the opportunities as they come. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to First Peter this morning. First Peter, we're going to kind of conclude our series this morning on Everyday Church. And the title of the message this morning is Next Steps. Where do we go from here with what we've heard, what we've experienced, what we've been talking about? Where do we go from here? Uh, The author has reminded us that as it was in the days of Peter, so it is in our day. And we as we're Peter's readers are pilgrims, strangers in a foreign land. However, we're not without hope. And we know that as we've said this over and over throughout this series, that this is not the end. This is just a process to get to where God has for us to be. And we know that whether we live on this earth five years, 50 years, 105 years, we're still just a little in the timeline of eternity, and we're eventually going to spend eternity in heaven if Jesus Christ is our Savior. Amen? So that's what we look forward to, and this is just a little, a few steps along the process of getting there. But we're not without hope. And as we said, the days of Little House in the Prairie are over. We're in a different generation, a different world, a different culture. Uh, but we're not without hope. We can still make an impact. Amen? And I believe God would have for us to make an impact, despite Christianity being in the margins, as we've said. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7-9, through 9, I just want to remind us of a few verses as we conclude this service and go into communion this morning. I want to just bring our attention back to some of the key verses that we've looked at. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7-9, through 9, it says, So honor will come to you who believe... But for the unbelieving, the stone the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. And a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumbled because they disobey the word, they were destined for this. But think about this. The world is not always going to understand, and the very one that they reject is going to be at times a stumbling block, a stone that they're going to trip over because they choose to disobey what they know is right, what they know is truth. But here's the beautiful thing here. It says, but you... You that know Jesus Christ, those who have placed your faith and trust in Him, you are a a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession. Get that in your mind just for a minute. You are His possession. Not your own. You're His. And then it reminds us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are His. So we are His possession, and here's why we are His. The end of verse 9. So that you may proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So we're not just here to exist. We're not just here to get up in the morning, put our shoes on, get dressed, go out and do our thing. We're here for a purpose, and the purpose is to show off His marvelous light. To proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what is the solution? 
How can we proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light? And before we answer that question, the author of Everyday Church poses a few questions for our consideration. Number one, do we have the desire to be the people of God together on mission? We've talked about that phrase, being on mission. In other words, God has called us to what? To do a work that He's called us to do. He has called us to be on mission for Him. And we talked about this way back in the beginning, about nine or ten weeks ago, about the whole idea of um, if we were to send out a missionary and we were to say, hey, this missionary is going uh, as an American. He's going to go impact, hopefully for the glory of God, the country of Kenya. And we would remind him that as he goes there, that you are a guest and a stranger in that land. It's not your land, it's their land. But as you go, you are doing what? I'm going to learn the traditions. I'm going to learn the culture. I'm going to learn how the people do things from day to day. I'm going to be looking at what they wear and what their religions are. I'm going to kind of learn their language so that I can communicate with them. You are becoming adaptive to some sorts to their way of life. But if we are going to be missionaries on mission where we live here in Rochester, we also must know to whom we're trying to reach. We need to know the people that we are trying to reach, right? So we are going to have to be on mission. So the first question, he says, do you even have the desire to do that? Do you even have the desire to do the things that God has called us to do? If you don't have the desire, you might as well just go home and sit back on the couch and relax a little while. Because if we're not willing to do what God's called us to do, we're wasting our time. So we need to make sure that we even have the desire to do what God has called us to do. The second question he poses is this. Can we move, can we move beyond church as a weekly service and become a community that shares life and mission? In other words, to so many of us, being a Christian is all about becoming part of a church that meets somewhere on a certain day. And he says, can we get beyond that? Can we get beyond just showing up to church? Can we get beyond just being a part of a local assembly somewhere? That's not insignificant. In fact, God's Word tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, don't forsake the assembling. He's not saying get away from the church. We have to get away the idea of this is the only time the church meets. That's what's the incorrect about the thinking, is that we have to move beyond church as just a weekly service. It's not a building. We've said that a thousand times. Church is you and I. The church is you and I. And the church goes to work. The church talks to the neighbor next door. The church has relationships with the relatives. The church goes to the gas station. The church goes out. And we have to be the church. So can we get beyond church as a weekly service to becoming a community that shares life and mission? What am I talking about community? If I were to ask you this question, where do you live? You could probably tell me the community in which you're a part of. Some of you are part of a community, some of you are not. I look at my area right here, so there's kind of a community, but it really it's not like a neighborhood per se. Some of you live in a neighborhood, and that's your community. You know, and, you know, communities have specific names sometimes. But he says, what about getting, having the idea of us as a community working together to be a picture of Jesus Christ. When we planted our church in uh, New Palestine, Indiana, we kind of had this crazy goal. We wanted to have a small group meeting in a home in every neighborhood that we had somebody living. 
And for a while, we did pretty good with it. We had a small church to start with, but we had a community, a small group in, in, in several of our communities. You know what that does? It lets everybody around you know that, hey, we're doing Bible study. Would you like to come? Would you like to be a part of it? Do we, is there some questions that we can help answer from God's Word about life in general? We had several communities going for a while. And I think that's not a bad thing. But not just doing Bible study, it's just being a picture of Christ. How many of you know that you have neighbors that need help in certain areas? You know that? <laughs> We're praying about a lot of things here. God is opening some doors. And here's the thing. It may not lead to the gospel explanation the first several times you meet with somebody. And that's okay. The bottom line is sometimes you have to build the relationships. And when the tough times come, the questions will come. And when you're there, God's word tells us what? To give an answer of the hope that lies within us. But you have to get out and develop a community that's revolving around Jesus Christ. And then he poses a third question. Can we be a people for whom church and mission are our identity rather than occasional events? In other words, we find our identity in belonging to a church, but can we move beyond that? Can we move beyond that so that our church and mission are our identity rather than occasional events? We're not just coming here to do church. Church has already taken place outside these walls, right? That's the way it ought to be. I hope you get that. Because if you don't get out of the walls of your church, nothing, or out of your home, nothing will change. Nothing will change. So how can we put a vision for everyday church and everyday mission into practice? Well, let me tell you what we can't do. Number one, it's not about more or different programs. Sometimes we get this question, so what are we doing for evangelism in our church? What are we doing? And I feel terrible getting that question sometimes. Because sometimes I feel like, man, we're not doing enough. We're really not. And let me just say that I don't believe that we as a church are doing enough in that area. I feel like we as a pastor, I feel like we have failed in that area. There are certain churches that are known for certain things. But when I think of Harvest Bible, I don't think, man, we're just a church that's on fire that is actually sharing the gospel every chance we get. I don't think we've done a good job of that. But let me also say this. I don't think it's in implementing one more program. It's not about adding one more event that will be gospel outreach oriented. I don't think that's the answer. We can have programs so we're blue in the face and the same three people will show up. That's the reality. And in our minds we say, well, that's great. You know, these five people or these three people, they're excited about it and wonderful as they should be. But that's not the solution. The solution is every one of us being the person that God has called us to be to go out in the world that we live in and be a picture of Jesus Christ. That's far better than any program that we can implement in this church. Amen? Get a little quiet in here. That is far better than a program that we can implement. Churches all across America have programs. And I'm not saying they're bad or wrong or you shouldn't have them. But it cannot be a cheap substitute for living it out in our life. So it's not in establishing more programs or different programs it's not about the church providing more activities that might be gospel outreach oriented once again 
I know churches in this area that spend ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year on VBS because they want to outreach to all the children and the families in their community. And you know when the activities are done and when the VBS has concluded, you know how many families they gain from it? From the words of the pastors. But we spent fifteen grand and we had a good time. Come on, folks. Live it out. That is the solution. It's not in different or more programming. It's not in adding more activities. I'm not saying they're bad. I just don't think they're the most effective. Number three. In fact, it's not even about what even happens on Sunday. Did you catch that? It's really not even about what happens today. And let me just tell you, this is one of my favorite days of the week as a pastor. It's my Super Bowl every Sunday. I love Sundays. But the other six days are important. What you do with what you hear today and how you implement it on the other six days is important. Amen? If what we hear today, if all we are is a sponge soaking things up, knowledge, information, ideas, if all we are is a sponge, but we don't wring it out during the week, you're missing the point. So how can we put this vision into place? Well, number one, we must be about establishing gospel-centered communities. In other words, where do you live? Where does God have you residing in this world that we live in? Where is your home? Is it a beacon? Is it a lighthouse? Is it a place where unsaved people maybe come and cross? And You talk to the people that cross past your yard, your sidewalk. You, are you living it out some way? Are you, is your home a, a place where the gospel is, is emanating from? I love this about our house. My kids are awesome. I, I just say it. I'm not prejudiced at all so you guys don't get a big head back here. Um, they're just awesome. You know why I love them? I appreciate them? Because they have friends coming in constantly. 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 And guess what? They're not all saved. They're not all saved. But you know what they're doing? They're talking. Talking about Jesus, in fact. Talking about church. David's not here, and David is the one that will drive me insane, as my other kids will attest, that that kid is not afraid to witness to anybody. I mean anybody. I love that about him. Um, he's got a personality that just, he'll talk to anybody about anything. Drive you nuts in every other area. Forget his head, if, you know, if you don't remind his head's over here on the shelf, he'll forget it. Drive you nuts. But the kid will talk to anybody about Jesus. I love that about him. I love that about him. Kids inviting people over on a regular basis. We should be doing that. Take advantage of those circumstances, those situations. We should have friends. You know, Jesus was in the world, but not other world. I can have friends that are out here that are not my best friends, but they're people to whom I'm having, building acquaintances with. They're people that I'm building relationships with so that I can invite them to the most important relationship. Um, I was over across the, in, the, in the Palmer Market and I met another guy. He says, hey, let's do lunch next week. Unsaved man. I'll take every opportunity that I get. Sometimes someone, my wife said to me a long time ago, she goes, man, you must enjoy going out to lunch every third day. Not, yeah, I do, right. It's relationships. It's building relationships around the gospel. 
And if we are going to be a people, a church on mission, you have to be building gospel-centered communities. In your community, who's the person who's walking with the Lord? Who's the person who's living it out and the people in your community know it? Number two, we must be about being the church. Are we about being the church? Not going to church. There's a phrase difference there, but being the church. What is the church? People who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who are called out of this world, are we being the church? When we go about Are we being the church? Are we showing love and kindness? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Number three, we must be intentional about establishing relationships. Because relationships don't happen by accident. And if you haven't noticed yet, relationships are kind of a pain in the hind end sometimes. Who's not busy? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. Everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's got a to-do list. Everybody's got 8 million things to do, whether it's taking care of your kids and running them from point A to point B, or whatever it is that you do. Everybody has an agenda and a to-do list. Who has time for one more relationship? Not many. So therefore, you must be intentional. When's the last time we made it a point to talk to a neighbor that we don't know? We all have neighbors. We all have neighbors. I don't care where you live. You have neighbors. How well do you know them? Do you even care? I've asked this question before, but how many like to say the word hell? I hate that word. But it's a reality for people who die without Christ. We don't even like to say it, do we? It's a nasty four-letter word. doesn't sound good at all. But it's reality. So we carry them. number four we must be willing to get out of our security and comfort zones that's probably the most difficult thing it's maybe not that you don't care it's not maybe that you just you know aren't concerned it's it's maybe not that you don't even have people you can talk to it's just i'm comfortable where i'm at i'm comfortable i like after working a long day to come home and sit in my chair I like to pick up my hobby. I like to watch this TV show. I like to, I'm comfortable right here. It's not that I don't like these people. It's not that I don't want to share the gospel. It's not that I don't even appreciate what God has done for me. It's just, I'm just comfortable. It's one of the biggest things that's hard to overcome. I know that when I was going to the gym three days a week, it was a pattern. It was a habit. You know what the hardest thing is now? I know I should go back, but I got away from it for a few months, and now I just, man, I'm just struggling to go back. Would it be beneficial for me to go? No no personal comments here, but would would it be beneficial? Of course it would. Would it benefit any one of us to go to a gym? Of course it would. It's not that you don't really don't care. Well, maybe it is. It's not really that you just, it's just taking that first step and getting up and going. It's just something about that first time getting back into it. It's just hard. Isn't it true? Sharing our faith is no different. We've joked about it a thousand times. 
The woman at the well did not go to Jerusalem Baptist Bible College before she went out and told. She simply told someone else what Jesus had done for her. Can it get any more simple than that? If Jesus Christ has impacted your life, you've got a story. You've got an incredible story. Bottom line is, are we willing to do it? Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Here's the thing. How can our light be seen if we're only in our houses? And how can the world around us see our good works if they're not out where they can see them? We have to get out. You have to get out. Or you have to invite people in. Does anyone know another solution? Either get out or invite people in. There's, there's no middle ground here. That's the only way your light is going to shine before a dark world, and it's the only way that a world that's lost is going to see your works. You have to get out or they have to come in. No middle ground. Are we willing to do that? Or are we just too busy and God understands that? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and Ephesians. I love these two verses. These two verses are great. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a pretty bold statement. That really is a bold statement. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. What's he saying here? I'm walking with God. Walk with him. Walk with me as I walk, as we walk with God together. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Therefore be imitators as dearly loved children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us. And gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Are we walking in love before a world that needs to see a picture of Jesus Christ? Consider 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 15. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. My wife has this phrase in our house, kindness goes a long way. Kindness never hurt anybody. I guess I need that reminder all the time. <laughs> Kindness never hurt anybody. You ever thought about that? It doesn't hurt anybody. Being kind doesn't cost you anything. It's just an attitude. Being kind. So it says, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. Verse 15, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Bottom line is, people will, by your actions and reactions, notice that you're either different or you're just like everyone else. Either you're different or you're like everyone else. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. 
Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What is it that God has called us to be? People who are a picture of Jesus Christ in the world that we live in. In your block, in your community, will you be that shining light? Will you be that lighthouse? Will you be the beacon of hope for your community? Will you be that person that they can come to because you're building relationships with them for the purpose of inviting them to Christ? And I can't emphasize enough that we have to get out or we have to invite in. There's no other way. If we're going to sit around and just wait for someone to walk through and say, hey, I've, been, you know, I've just been looking for someone to show me Christ. I've, I've just been looking for that. How many of you have ever had that happen? I mean, it happens, but it's rare. Most people aren't sitting around waiting to find somebody. I find that most of the world that we live in are kind of like children. Those babies, I don't know if you've ever watched them eat Gerber baby food like peas. Disgusting. And don't tell me you parents haven't tried it, because I know you have. They're nasty. Some of them like squash. This is, this is gross. You've tried them. You know it. But do those babies know that it's good for them? No, they just know it's disgusting. So what do you do as a parent? Open up. Somehow, you know, you think by opening your mouth really big, they're going to open their mouth really big. <laughs> it works so here's the deal bottom line we do it because we know it's good for them even though they don't know it's good for them and the world around us doesn't always understand what's good for them what they need but we're faithful in sharing our faith faithful at teaching them the truth being a picture of Jesus Christ because they need it even though they may not understand it. With this closing verse in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to where they were. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Why? When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. There is prayer. There is compassion. And as I said before, compassion without action is just empathy. So you feel bad, big whoop, what changes? Does that make sense? Compassion without action is just empathy, and who cares? So you feel bad. What are you going to do about it? James chapter 2 talks about that, right? So a neighbor comes, he wants food, oh, be, go away, be warm, be filled. <laughs> I ain't got time for this. So I'd never do that. 
We have 365 days a year that we can be an example, a testimony to God's goodness. What are we doing with that? What are we doing with that? Are we that picture of Jesus Christ that the lost world needs? Um, It's not for any other reason other than God's laid us a burden on our heart to share the gospel. And we have to be about the gospel if we're going to make a difference. Inviting someone to church is okay. We should. They're going to hear the truth. But those other six days are far more important. How you live it out. Your next door neighbor, the guy across the street, the friend that you work with. What do they see that's different about us? What opportunities might we have to share our faith? something that will actually change their life and impact them for eternity. Folks, there's no other way. Either go out or invite in. That's it. There's no middle ground. You can't just wish and hope and think and change everything. We talked about through this series, praying for the lost. Asking God for opportunities. For God to change our heart and our mindset and how things need to go forward. The church just meets here. We have to get beyond just church being a place that we meet to the church doing the work of the kingdom as we go out. Amen? Amen? Will you commit to it? You see, we have opportunities. It's not just for someone else who's more spiritual than you or more outgoing or more charismatic or has a personality where they've never met a stranger. It's not about that. It's about obedience. It really is. It comes down to a matter of obedience, taking the opportunity that God gives us and doing something with them. Will you be obedient? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for how it still speaks true to our hearts and our lives. I ask God that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I know this. I'm sure as I'm standing here right now, Lord, there are those who are thinking, how do I do this? Okay, it's going out or inviting people in, but what does that look like? How does that even happen? God, I know that there are people who say, well, I want to do that. I'm just nervous. I'm scared to take this step. Lord, we know that you have all the answers. We know that you can give the strength and the boldness to do what you've called us to do. Lord, we can't expect change if we're not willing to let us, if we're not willing to step out of our comfort zones or places of security. God, would you work in our hearts? His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just a simple opportunity to respond to what you've heard this morning as we do each and every week. Pastor Ken, I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're talking about. And I know I should do something, but I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't really know what to do. I'm not sure how to do it. But God has challenged my heart. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Yes. Many. Many. What is it that God wants to do in and through you? What is it that you're willing to let God do? God's word says, all power has been given unto me. That means you have the power from the Holy Spirit living within you. 
Second Timothy says, not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and sound mind to live it out. To live it out daily. So whatever opportunities God puts in your sphere of influence. Say, Pastor Ken, God's challenged my heart. By God's grace, I'm going to pray for those opportunities. I'm going to claim God's boldness. I want to do something to make an impact for the gospel. Would you pray for me? Anyone else? Yes. 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 In the back, in the front, sides. Anyone else? Say, pray for me. I, I want to be that person. Yes. Yes. Maybe it's opening up your home. Maybe it's being a, a, a that one home in the community that people know are walking with Jesus. Maybe that one person is using your skills, your abilities, your talents to help a neighbor in need. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Can I challenge those of you that raise your hand, your heart towards heaven just for a moment to, to seal that commitment to the Lord? It's one thing to get a burden. It's another thing to be challenged, but it's another thing to be changed and do something. To start building those relationships with your neighbors on both sides of you, the person across the street, the person at work, to start being a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, as we come before you, Lord, many people raise their hand, their hearts towards you this morning. Lord, I think there's many who want to make a difference, and some, Lord, honestly, just don't care. God, I pray that you would convict them of apathy and the nonchalant attitude of their fire insurance that they have. And others, Lord, who want to make an impact, God, I pray you'd open up those doors of opportunity that they could step through, that they could build a relationship with so they can invite them to the most important relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for impact in this world that we live in. We pray that impact would go out from this church and that the world around us would be changed because of our obedience to you, Lord. So be with each one who raised their hand and hearts towards you this morning, Lord, that you would give them victory in this area. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.